Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NIL Playbook, our podcast brought to you by the Players NIL. My special guest today is Corey Hapola. Corey, welcome to the podcast. Mark, thanks for having me. Well, Corey, you're the VP of Communication at Brookshire Corp, and we're going to get to that. I want to hear what you're working on now, but in looking at your resume and reading all of the information that you sent to me, you're a, a sportscaster personality, you're a businessman, you produced a documentary, you're an Emmy award-winning TV personality, a husband, a dad. I don't know what you do in your downtime, but congratulations on all of that. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, I, well, I grew up sports is my background. That's what I wanted to do uh, ever since I was little. In Minnesota, we had the 87 and 91 twins, so uh, both World Series champs. And so sports is in my DNA. That's, uh, uh, that's where I got my start and learned many lessons. Great. Well, that brings us to the first part of the podcast. So at the Players NIL, as many people know, we are an education platform using NIL to create life skills for athletes. And we want to give some good advice and listen to your advice around communications, media, and all those types of things. But let's learn a little bit more about Corey in the beginning here. So you just mentioned the Minnesota Twins. I remember those those teams. Uh, Kirby Puckett, I think, was the yeah. was the catcher, right? And who was the first baseman? Kent? Kent Herbeck. Herbeck, yeah. yeah. I remember Best those World guys. Series. Best World Series ever. 91. It went seven games. The In game seven was uh, Jack Morris went – 10 innings and they won one nothing in the bottom of the 10th, the walk-off. There you go. You're an encyclopedia. So that brings me to the question though. Tell me about your exposure to sports and how it influenced you. You just mentioned that there's been a lot of life lessons that you've learned along the way, but what's your relationship with sports? Yeah, I think, um, and I'm glad you asked that Mark, because for me, the turning point in my life was based around sports. Um, I was always into all sports, right? Like football, basketball, baseball, everything. But it was eighth grade. I um, I was not necessarily the best athlete ever, but I was I was competent, right? Like, and I was into sports. Eighth grade basketball. I'm I'm from a small town, and um, we had like 30 kids going for basketball, which is way too many. Um, and at the end of the year, we had a travel basketball team, and I didn't make the top 12, and. I, that was devastating at that age. Um, I felt like I should have, of course. I, I was like, well, the coaches got it wrong. I was upset. I was blaming everybody else. And I went home to my parents and I told them how wrong the coaches were. And I said, you know, they got it wrong. I'm this, I'm good. I'm better than that. And and this kid shouldn't have made it and all that. And the best lesson that I, I ever learned happened that day. Instead of enabling that behavior and that attitude, my parents said, you need to take responsibility. Now you don't have to do basketball. But if you're going to do basketball, this is a, a turning point for you. You can either uh, continue down this path and have this attitude, or you can go to your coaches and, and ask and say, what can I do to improve? Why didn't I make the team? Is there a strategy that I can and, and uh, process that I can uh, create so that I can be a, a player on this team because I want to play for you? And, and, that was the most value. It's not what I wanted to hear at that point at, in eighth grade, but it's what I needed to hear. And so um, after some, uh, the emotions of it passed that night, I did that. And I talked to my coaches about it and uh, really had some eye-opening, um, some conversations about, look, your attitude wasn't right. Um, maybe you should have made it, but we feel like you should be better and we need you need to challenge yourself. 
And they helped me put in a process. And I started, uh, you know, shooting and lifting and running at a at a different uh, uh, pace than I had been before. I, I did different things, game-like situations, and I was extremely passionate. But what, what Mark, what changed for me that day was that I said, I will never allow that ever to happen again. I will never be outworked. I will never uh, have an attitude. I will always go in with a positive attitude and and one that is willing to learn and to get better and to take uh, critique and criticism so that I know that I can get better. And I'll tell you, I set goals. So ninth grade, I set a goal. I want to, you know, I want to be starting on C team, right? Like those types of goals. And then 10th grade, it was make varsity. 11th grade, it was to be, uh, you know, all conference, senior year, all that. And I never quite made him. I would get close, ninth grade close, 10th grade close, 11th grade close. And I never quite made him. But my senior year, um, I, I after it was all over, we had a great season. Our team had a great season. And I was named the region most valuable player. And it was directly because of that conversation in eighth grade. That was a wake-up call for me. And it, that is the life lesson that I've instilled in, in my entire life and everything that I've chosen to do. That's a great story. You know, principle number one of our company is how do you use athletics to better your life? And no greater example than that, you know? So, so you graduate, you've got this nice award in your back pocket. As soon as you leave high school, no one cares anymore, probably, (laughs) but internally it changed you. This experience, this sacrifice, sense of failure, sense of success. You go to college, Concordia college, what did you study and how did you use that experience to maybe create even more opportunities for you professionally? Yeah, I was going to, thanks for asking. I was going to play basketball there too. Um, but also I knew exactly what I wanted to do at a very early age. I told my parents at eight years old, uh, I was going to be a TV anchor in Minneapolis. Like I knew. And so in high school, we had a great program. I went to college with that in mind, a place where I could study broadcast journalism, uh, be in a market where they had, uh, television stations so that I could get an internship and then also play basketball. But as I got there, I, I recognized I really need to focus in on the broadcast journalism career. And I did. I got involved at college at uh, Concordia College, Yale, the Midwest, uh, right away. And uh, and then got an internship at the CBS station in Fargo. And um, but it was, yeah, it was those sports life lessons. I was 21 years old. I was a junior in college going full time to college. Um and then working full time at uh, a TV station, I interned, they ended up hiring me back. And what happened is, is uh, the company was being sold. And here I'm naive, 21 years old, I'm getting promoted along the way, because other people were sensing the danger that was coming that, you know, there's going to be some layoffs. But I was 21 years old, I was anchoring the sports on the weekends at the CBS station in Fargo. And uh, dream come true, right? My home market, people here at home could watch. And, and I would come home to my little uh, town in Perham, Ottertail County. It's uh, about an hour east of Fargo. People would be like, whoa, you're watching on the news. This is crazy. Like just three years outside of being uh, in, in high school. Um, so I, I attacked that uh, profession the same way I did with, with basketball. Uh, what happened, though, was uh, I was still in college. The company was sold. They downsized. And so me and, and a bunch of others were laid off. And so I, I finished up college without a job. And that's where the real challenge came in, because now uh, I had a degree, but I had no job. And I was looking and looking and looking. And 
it took me 150 rejections to get that next opportunity. But uh, again, I, I knew that I knew that if I kept going and I kept learning from those failures, and there's a lot of them, right? And I think a lot of times younger people too, they I don't really want people to know or, or share my failure. I think that's an important part of my story. So I enjoy sharing it that over the course of my career, you mentioned off the top that my accomplishments, like, you know, that's the high level stuff that everyone puts on their LinkedIn, but I've had 350 rejections in TV. I've been laid off three times. I was told in Minneapolis, mind you, Mark, before I got to Minneapolis, right? My dream working in Minneapolis, my home, I I was told by two different stations. I said, look, I don't, because I was laid off. I didn't have a job. I said, I will fly myself there. If you just give me five minutes to speak with me, five minutes to audition, I'll do whatever. Like, I, I, I want to work here. And they said, don't bother. You're not strong enough to work in this market. And then finally, uh, the NBC station gave me an opportunity. And 18 months later, I won the Emmy for most outstanding uh, uh, anchor. So, you know, it's, it's, but it's that don't let what others say about you affect who you are inside, you know, like it's, you know what you have inside and, and it's important to just keep going. Yeah. Great story. I, I don't know the numbers, but Michael Jordan's famous quote about how many games he lost and how many game winning shots he missed in his career, you know? So we don't, we don't really know those numbers. We know how many championships he won and we know how great he is, but so you're a professional TV anchor, sports anchor. We're in the area of name, image, and likeness. We're just beginning year three. Name, image, and likeness, for those of you that don't understand it, is a platform whereby college and in some states, high school athletes can use, as the title suggests, their name, image, and likeness to create opportunities. Some of them are financial. Some of them are professional internships, career, networking, all of those types of things. One of the things that I see in working with thousands of athletes at this generation is a lack of communication skills. They don't know how to verbally tell you what they're thinking. They don't know how to express themselves. They get in a room and they get tight. They don't, they're, therefore they're not good at networking. What does communication mean to you? And why is it so important to people of all walks of life, but in particular athletes that are trying to leverage their celebrity of being a college athlete? This is such a great point, Mark, and I'm so glad that the Players NIL is helping young people through this because they have more pressure and stress on them than we ever had. Like there is, and they have to grow up quicker than than we did. And so I'm I'm really uh, excited about the the program that you have here. So there's a couple of things. One, uh, I grew up in Minnesota and in the Midwest, we don't like to talk about things. So we just are very passive aggressive and things come out a different way. So I have a very good experience with communications because I grew up in that and I've, I've really studied it, um, uh, the art of communication, uh, you know, my, my entire life. So I think there's a couple things happening here. It's we're experiencing a communications crisis. And what I mean by that is, think about this, Mark. So you and I are on Zoom. So if we were in the same room together, we would be having the context of me walking in the room, uh, you and I engaging. Do you want a water? Do you want a coffee? Hey, and we're we're all of those are are we're picking up on all the nonverbals. We're picking up on how we look, and and all of those things matter when it comes to communication. On top of it, we're looking each other in the eye. We're having. Um, you know, nonverbals that that play into it and we pick up on tone. Now on Zoom, we can get a lot of those things, but you and I just hit the start button. So we didn't have the 
coffee in the water and stuff, but still it's, it's pretty good. It's high level. Now, if we turn off our video and we're just talking on the phone, okay, we can still pick up on tone and all of that, but we're missing a lot of the nonverbals. Well, today, the primary form of communication is text communication. And you don't get any of that. You don't get tone. You don't get uh, nonverbals. And you just get short messages back and forth where the intention can be completely harmless. But we're projecting something else onto that. So I'll use this as an example. My wife and I text back and forth all the time. Now, this is somebody who's the closest person to me in my entire life. I know her better and she knows me better than anybody else. And when she doesn't respond in a text with an emoji or an exclamation point, I immediately project what's wrong. Did something <laughs> happen? What did, did something, right? Like we, that happens all the time. And yet I know her. Now it could be completely fine. She's just in a rush. She didn't have time, whatever, right? But then I'm projecting, did I say something? Did I do something? Now think about that with strangers. And we're doing that with strangers all the time through social media. And so there is a lot of miscommunication that is happening constantly. So I, I think that that's something that we really need to be aware of um, with that. Now, on the solution part of it, so this would be the second part of it, um, I think it's important for young people. I just have these three quick steps. Learn, listen, mission. Those are my three steps. Now, I have a, a one of my speeches that I give is called the three BCs. It's a critical thinking process to joyful impact, and it helps with these three things. But just a quick overhead, learn, understand your strengths and weaknesses. Having more self-awareness about who you are and what drives you, mission critical, right? Like even at a young age, figure out your strengths and your weaknesses. And then listen, please, even at a young age, please take time for soulful reflection, whatever that means to you. I'm a very spiritual person, but just take time, whether that's spiritually, to meditate, to pray, to just have time alone because you're getting you're getting bothered and dings from, from all over the place, right? Take time because that's where you really learn more about yourself and what drives you. And then mission, figure out that mission. Like, what are you passionate about? What do you want to work for? Who do you want to stand for? If somebody comes to you with an, with an opportunity, does that check the box? Like, is that mission critical for you? Are you passionate about that? Because it should. There are jobs that I've turned away um, with our business or opportunities because it's like, look, that's totally fine, but I, that's not for me. That doesn't check the boxes of my purpose. And I think that lis uh, learn, listen, mission are the three critical steps for, for all of us. But, but that would be my message for young people. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Kind of the same word, but a different word is to me is storytelling. And um, I spent 15 years in Hollywood telling stories using sports. I always tell people, they, go, they ask, what does that mean? I said, when you watch a TV show, a movie, a commercial that involves sports, let's use baseball because you're a Minnesota Twins fan. Someone strikes out, that's a story. Someone hits a home run, that's a different story, right? And brands use sports to tell stories. I believe that name, image, and likeness involves a lot of storytelling because creating an audience, creating a following includes making people interested in what you have to say. So communication skills is kind of like a technical thing to me. Storytelling is more of an art, right? Maybe the storytelling 
is the art and communication is the science part of it. In the art part, in the storytelling part, and you did a documentary about your life in Minnesota, which I'm going to watch, by the way, because I'm curious about it. Um, and I produced two movies and now I've written a book and I feel like I'm a, a pretty good reader of the room, as you said. But what about storytelling? What what makes people listen to storytellers and why are some people better at storytelling? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, and totally agree because it is it is uh, critical, uh, especially in today's to to to. For whether it's a, a person or a personal brand or a brand to figure out what that story is. And I think that the learn, listen mission will help you figure that out. But it's also the reflection on your own life. You know, I could have, uh, you know, think about uh, just the stories we've been sharing back and forth. I could have said that, um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I played basketball and I was the conference MVP and then I went to college. But no, I told the story how in eighth grade, because it's true like that. I remember how I felt. So that's what I would encourage people like with those moments, those life changing moments that have affected you in one way or another. That's your story. That's something to be proud of. That's what makes you unique. And that's what distinguishes you. So it's important to try to build that out. And I look at even sports uh, may or may not be for everyone forever, right? Like it was a part of my life for a very long time. I transitioned to news and documentary work, and now I'm working in economic development. Um, but sports is still at, at the center. But as you go out there in, in the world and trying to get, lift yourself off the resume page or the LinkedIn page when AI is going to just try to check every box, but then you meet with a real human and they ask you, okay, well, tell us a little bit about that. You can't just read what's on your LinkedIn page or on your resume. They already know that. Tell a story. Tell a story about why you're prepared and why you're the perfect person for that position. Wow, great advice. I love it. You mentioned briefly your current role as the VP of Communication at Brookshire Corp. Tell me what that's all about. What are you working on today? It's mission critical. Um, and, and that's where some people didn't understand. Um, I had a, a uh, you know, a career in media that was, you know, going up, right? Um, it's exactly what I wanted to do forever. But in 2017, Mark, I, I tell you, this was, um, I was I was anchoring a show at, at CARE 11, the, the NBC station here in Minneapolis. And I just got this, and it had been there for a while, bubbling up. But I got this feeling of this whisper, there's more. Like there's something else I'm supposed to be doing with my communication skills. Now, that was very scary because it's the only thing I ever wanted to do. But I encourage people to listen to that whisper whenever it comes, because it the, the there's going to come with risk. But that's where the learn, listen and mission comes in, because it can help you. That process can help you through that. I ended up co uh, connecting with somebody, uh, a local community leader. He was a CEO. But more than that was somebody who everyone said that is that is a leader, right? Like he inspires and empowers others. He is a, a community advocate. He's uh, on this board and doing that good work. And I blindly reached out to this man and just said, can I just, I, I, it's in my heart. I don't know, maybe this is foolish, but I would love to learn from you. If you could spare 15, 20 minutes, I would love to pick your brain on, on leadership and balancing work, life, and service. Those are three things that's important to me. I'm 
think at this point I was turning 36. So I was like, this is the next chapter and I don't know what to do. And he responded to me and, and has become an, an A1 mentor and friend for me and really helped me uh, through that, that process. And that's where I was able to kind of go through this process, create this process, and then figure out my mission, which led me to my documentary, uh, Rural by Choice. And the the that was all based on purpose, Mark. It was I want to unite rural and, and urban America. Um, that's my that's my mission. That's my goal. And and a part of that is breaking down the popular misconceptions and negative stereotypes that may exist with either of those lifestyles. And so through that, we created the documentary series Rural by Choice. That was 2019. And from there, um, I launched a, a third party campaign for governor of Minnesota um, based on that ideal that uh, the two political parties are uh, really not serving people anymore. They're serving the, the political parties. And it was like, we're about people and we want to unite urban and rural America. And it's a very difficult landscape. And that was a, what I would call a false start. But I learned and I grew and um, I, I made a ton of connections. And I recognized the mission is right. It's right. And I can do it. That vehicle was wrong. Right. And that may happen for people. You may go down a path and say like, oh, you know what? My mission is right, but that's not the right avenue. And so I transitioned and I was able to connect with uh, the Brookshire company, which we are into. We're, we're into economic development. So we are uplifting our communities over a, uh, right now, a seven state region and, and we're growing. So all that means is we do uh, everything from working on initiatives with with housing and childcare and and climate and and we we do commercial real estate so all of those things are are which are really central to me because this company is is very mission driven wow awesome so you know sometimes you just have a hunch and we had never met before this recording um, but i kind of felt like this was going to be a great podcast and it has been because you use athletics to better your life the lessons you've learned in athletics now you're using to better the lives of the people around you. And I want to say congratulations. And I'm sure that I speak for many people and I say thank you for all of the work that you're doing. And thank you for the words of wisdom and the guidance for young athletes. I hope that they take this to heart. And, you know, communication and storytelling, a big part of life, right? Yeah. Whether it's texting with your wife, <laughs> whether it's uh, trying to get, you know, a job at Brookshire Corp, you know, whether it's trying to, convince some politicians about some project that you're working on. So last chance to plug your movie, your documentary, your company, your LinkedIn page. What would you like to plug? I'll just, I just want to leave people with this one last thought, uh, Mark is for a long time, I lived under the I'll be happy when motto. Well, when I get this or when I make this much money or when I achieve this, then I'll be happy. But I recognized along my journey, and I hope this is helpful for others, that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is, a, is an emotion. It's fleeting. Like you can have a good cup of coffee or a glass of wine or, or a good burger. That makes you happy, right? Somebody gives you a compliment. That makes you happy. Those are good things. But it's fleeting. Joy. There is joy. And I think the, the three BCs, that speech that I give, is about joyful impact. It's about working, knowing that the process and the journey is actually where the joy is and you can't control every outcome. And we end up worrying about, well, is this going to happen or that? 
this helps take the worry out of things, knowing that, look, I'm doing everything I can on a day-to-day basis and goodness is going to come my way. And because I'm planting those seeds. So I hope people recognize that the I'll be happy when is not, is not true joy. It's not true happiness and it's a never ending cycle. And so, um, you know, if, if people want to follow along, you know, my LinkedIn and, and Twitter and, and Instagram, Facebook, all at Corey Heppola, C-O-R-Y-H-E-P-O-L-A. You can follow along. If there are any companies out there that want to partner up because they are mission critical, find us at the Brookshire Company because um, we're building out strategic partnerships all the time. Um, and we're not just limited to the upper Midwest. We're working all over the country. Great. Corey, you've been a great guest. I appreciate everything that uh, you contributed today. I wish you nothing but luck and success and joy going forward. Maybe a little happiness in there from time to time, make the day go smoother, but thank you for being our guest today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark.